Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm excited. Got my man CJ back on the show. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you and live your dream. My next guest is truly an NBA star. His name is C.J. McCullum. After his introduction to wine in the early 20s by his fiancée, C.J. moved to Oregon and joined the Portland Trailblazers, 10th pick in the draft. Finding himself just short of drive away from one of the top wine regions in the country, he launched his own brand, McCullum Heritage 91. It's all about legacy, bringing C.J.'s passion to life while honoring his roots in the process. It just so happened that the perfect word to describe that is heritage. It's also the name of the street he grew up on in Canton, Ohio. Combined with his birth year and the family name, McCullen Heritage 91 truly embodies CJ and all that he stands for. He's on the show to discuss his sold out. I'm hearing you. Sold out. It's sold out, y'all. Heritage 91 wine collection, life during and after the NBA bubble in Orlando and his educational charity. Please welcome back to Money Making Conversation, my man, CJ McCullen. How you doing, CJ? I'm great, man. Thanks for a great introduction. Appreciate you having me on. Well, first of all, first of all, you know, I, 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 I you sold out though. Talk, talks about that whole plan, because, because I've been following you now, CJ. So you're, you're a good planner. You went down there, and then you start sharing your wine with the, everybody in the bubble. Well, that that was a strategy, right? Yeah, it was definitely part of the strategy. Obviously, the situation shifted from when I first um, began working on my wine project three years ago. Um, I was planning on releasing it before the next season. Mm -hmm. uh, usually our season starts in September. And obviously that kind of changed with the uh, coronavirus situation, then having to potentially play in the bubble. So I, I had the wine that I was prepared to kind of distribute to friends and family. Mm -hmm. I kind of switched that over and distributed to a bunch of players and staff and front office members in the NBA to just kind of get an idea of what they thought about it. Obviously from the marketing standpoint, that was helpful as well but the the plan was more so just to get feedback on what they thought about the wine like in terms of the taste and um, just to kind of try to introduce it to them because a lot of people weren't familiar with it because it was my first uh, project in the wine world now here's me now wine is grapes correct yes okay cool now I would, I'm just a country boy. I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. Everything grows well in the South where it's warm. Now, <laughs> Portland, Oregon, that's wine country? Yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh, we're well, you know, I am surprised because I'm, I'm talking like this because I would think that grapes need to be warm to, to survive. And I know you have severe winters up there, correct? No, it's actually not that bad here. Besides the rain, which can play a factor in the taste of the of the wine uh, going forward, our winters aren't bad. It's only snowed probably three times in my seven years out here in the in the winter time. It's it's pretty pretty balanced, and I think what helps our grapes is the climate. The climate we get from so many so many uh, different landscapes. We have mountain ranges. We have the Shahala Mountains. We have Dundee. We have so many different parts of of Oregon that are going through uh, the, the fermentation process that go through the, the process of actually making uh, wine that you get so many different tastes. But I think historically based on the research I've done and what I've seen uh, in comparison to you look at, at Napa, which is in California, right. but they have 
cooler climate at night. They kind of go through hot, hot summers, uh, not too cold in the winter. We're, we're similar in terms of hot summers, but it's not too cold in the winter. And during harvest, which is around, you know, September to October, uh, we have ideal weather for grapes. Uh, not a lot of rain until end of October. Um, it's it's hot, but it's cool at night. So we can get up to 85, 90, 95 during the day, and it can get down as low as 50 at night. So you have that balance of, of a multitude of climates. But then it, it just comes down to luck, you know, having the right elevation, being being mm-hmm. facing uh, southeastern or southwestern. That also plays a, a huge role. But I had no idea until I moved out here. So I, I'm with you. I'm just fortunate enough to have moved out here and been exposed to it. Right. firsthand to where it's it's kind of shifted my perspective of it. And then talking to a bunch of experts and people in the business, they've come to the same conclusion that Oregon is, is really known for the Pinot Noir and they have some great Chardonnay grapes as well. Cool. Now you're talking like an expert. I, I love your tone. You're, well, you're articulate <laughs> anyway, but you really, you really, now let me tell you something. Now we talked earlier about the grapes, you know, and we talked about the wine being uh, released in September. With it being sold out, where are you right now confidently when confidence about your product? Because I, I hear confidence in your tone. I, I hear I hear a, a high level of professionalism. Not saying that you don't talk, but, you know, when once you taste a little bit of success, like what you did with Morant on that basketball court. Remember, 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 remember how you did him? You know, when you came off the court, you had a different attitude about how you treated him out there. See, I'm sensing a different attitude with you now, CJ, now that you sold out. Talk to us about that. No, I mean, if we're being honest here, I I created a good product. I had a lot of highly successful people around me to kind of mold me and, and help me go through this process to right. where I had a great understanding of what was going to happen. When you hire the right people, uh, it's hard to fail. I know what I don't know, and I hired a bunch of experts who whose job is to put me in a position to succeed. And I think starting with the winemaker, starting with the partnership with the winery I chose in Adelsheim, we knew it was going to be a success. We just weren't sure, you know, the the reception that we would get. We weren't sure it would sell out in, in 45 minutes, but I knew yeah, that same most day, people same would, day. would be attracted to it. 50, <laughs> same, now, we're not talking about 40, cheap wine now. $50 a bottle, right? $50 a bottle, correct? $50 a bottle. And we, we did a, we did a really good job of marketing it. I think uh, from a brand brand name standpoint, uh, People know that I enjoy wine. They know that Oregon Pinot specifically is, is historically been good. And I think the confidence just comes from the work. I, I put a lot of work in on trying to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert by any means, but I have learned a lot in my in my nine years being involved in the wine industry and just kind of learning self-taught and then uh, speaking to experts about the the importance of wine, the process the wine will go through, the climates you need, and, and, and so on and so forth. I just felt confident that... Um, it would be a good wine because I tasted it. I had some Psalms tasted. I had people who are considered wine snobs tasted and give me really positive feedback to where I'm comfortable with speaking on it because I literally went through the entire process of making wine with the help of experts right. so that I'm, I feel confident about it. So you went from just a, a just a, a, a connoisseur, a person who enjoyed wine, to doing your homework. And then now each step now is like, Getting a, uh, you know, getting another year notching your degree plan of being a more and more of an expert and achieve that next level of success. Now you said, or you said, you, okay, forty five minutes, CJ, sold out in forty five. Yeah, yeah, 
Okay. Around 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, tell me this. How did, how was the release notified? No, was, was it noti- notification on your social media? How did that work? Cause you said you guys did a really good job of marketing this. And so I'm sure you're planning the next series and you want to do a really good job again. So what was the, what was the, cause I want people to hear how you release a, a, a new brand. Cause like I said, we're very smart strategy. You know, in the bubble when I, I started reading about the players, that was a good strategy because it, 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 it. I'm sure some of them post posted about it, and that really helped raise a consciousness to people who could be potential customers. How did you release it so everybody would know? It's on now. Go buy it. Yeah, so we we created brand awareness almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Kind of starting to notify people that you know there's a project in the works. Um, end up doing a press release probably seven, six or seven months ago to kind of notify people like, right. hey, I, I that's how I knew about. It. That's how I knew about it. Mm-hmm. So we started with the press release to kind of create that awareness, strategic branding. Um, then obviously I began posting, hired a marketing team, social media team. That's that's you know spearheaded by Ashley uh, Combs from Excel, who's done a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. A very very bright woman, very bright individual who's kind of helped you know, walk me through this process. And we both learned a lot on the fly mm-hmm. to doing, doing interviews, things of that nature to kind of talk about it. And just the, the more so the biggest thing is just educational. You educate yourself, you educate the masses as you're going through the process and you kind of draw them in. So we drew them in, you know what I mean? Explain to them what the process was like, the story behind wine, while I got into wine, the designing process of the bottle. And, and then we created a mailing list. Uh, the mailing list kind of went out sporadically with with videos with with images created a website and basically allowed people to subscribe and sign up and the first day i think we had 700 people sign up and wow. subscribe uh, basically saying that they would like to purchase the wine and mm-hmm. that kind of allowed it to evolve and this is two months before i end up going to the bubble two three months before i end up like giving out wine to about 90 nba players but mm-hmm. i went through that process first and Basically, let everybody know that, hey, you can only purchase the wine on this website. It's only available online. And the rest is, as they say, the rest is history. Basically, shot updates. I did a little pre-sale where I allowed some friends and family to purchase the day before. Mm-hmm. And we basically announced that the wine would go on sale on last Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And it was sold out by 945. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm talking to CJ McCullum. Uh, his wine sold out, like he told you, 45 minutes, 9 a.m., which is noon time, East Coast time. McCullum Heritage 91 sold out. $50 a bottle. It's, it's a Pinot, right? Yeah, Pinot Noir. Yeah, because my wife, she's a huge wine drinker. So I was I was bragging about how to interview you and your wine was coming out. So she was asking me, oh, where's, where's CJ wine at? You know. I said, hey, he sold. <laughs> so she's looking at me crazy right now. So let's let's find out when the next batch gonna come out, and maybe I can get into that pre-sale and put in. I get into the pre-sale coupon. And I said, I I pay. I don't ask for anything free, CJ. That's about me. That's why money making conversations about making money. When is the next run? So we can, uh, you know, I'm sure it'd be you. You'll make even more a bigger batch to go out there. But wine is seasonal, or how does that work? Educate us. Yeah, so basically I went through a three to five year plan when I bought the grapes in 2017. So when I bought the grapes in 2017, I knew that I wasn't going to put out the wine until 2020. Because mm. obviously from a wine standpoint, I had to go through harvest. So those are those grapes were planted in, in 2018. 
and it goes through 10 to 12 months in a bottle, depending on, you know, how you age it. I age mine 10 months in French oak barrels. And then we go to go to the fermentation process and then we rack them and, and put them in bottles. And that's basically a, a year process. They were bottled in 2019 and we kind of let them sit on the shelves and rotate them and then do what you need to do, depending on the process you take. And I knew, I wasn't selling until 2020. So in 2017, I brought I bought the grapes for 18. In 2018, I brought I bought the grapes for 19. Okay. So my 19 version of what I just sold will go on sale probably a year from now. I have to check the wow. calendar and figure out how we want to market it. But we've already bottled the 19 version of what I sold uh, last week, and it's it's still not ready yet. It's still young, still premature. But uh, we'll figure out our release date and kind of go from there. But historically, I've done things in September, so I might just wait a full year. And I release it yeah, okay. don't in get, September. Yeah, don't and get then, greedy, brother. Don't get greedy. Now we all know about these fires that are happening in, in Oregon. Uh, tell me if it's making any impact, or will it make any impact on the wine industry up there? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, my prayers go out to, to all the families mm-hmm. uh, and people that were affected mm-hmm. by the fires. You know, living here in Oregon and being close to the fires, it, it really hits home. And uh, I told my fiance the other day, I think the biggest thing wrong with our society is that unless things directly impact or involve you, right. uh, you, you tend to not pay it attention. Mm-hmm. And until you get the email saying you need to evacuate, you don't understand the severity of a fire. And once we got the email saying, you know, kind of pack your house up and get ready, that's when you begin to panic and feel so sorry for so many people out there that either A, have nowhere to go, B, mm-hmm. don't have the means, or C, or you, it's too late. And I think over a half a million people had to evacuate. Homes were burned down. People lost priceless valuables, you know, pictures, memories, things that you can't replace uh, are going along with your home. So it's, it's very, very unfortunate. Uh, we, we were forced to kind of, you know, pack up our home and, and prepare to leave. But luckily we didn't have to end up leaving, but the, the effects of the smog, uh, the smoke, the pollution that's caused by those fires is, definitely probably going to affect the grapes based on what I've heard from being on the vineyards these last couple of weeks. Right. They won't know until, until they go through harvest, uh, which is delayed. Like most wineries delayed harvest because of the fires. They didn't want to have people out there picking. Uh, and what was considered, um, it went from very, very poor air pollution to toxic air pollution, right. uh, hazardous to the point, to point that where no one could really be outside. So they say they won't know until until the harvest finishes and they get to kind of check out the grapes uh, in the next phase. But hopefully uh, too many people weren't impacted by that uh, in the, in the uh, wine world. I know a lot of other people were, and uh, my prayers go out to them. I know that's right. Uh, I'm going to have a little fun with you because I, you know, watching you doing the bubble uh, playing and, um, you know, uh, you're one of my favorite players anyway, just, just, just so astute and um, to see you, um, have I seen that from you on the court before? Being that emotional, being that um, boisterous um, about uh, what you was accomplishing, you know, on on the court. Uh, if I missed it, just because you're up in Portland, I don't get to see you all the time. I, I think sometimes you gotta let people know what time it is. Come on now, come on now, CJ. Come on now, CJ. I'm a very, <laughs> I'm very confident of myself, but I think there's a time and a place for everything, and sometimes you have to let people know. And I think I've, I've always been like that. Uh, people out here in Oregon and people that really watch us uh, have seen that before. But I think when it's different when it's on the national stage and it's in the playoffs, but. 
I've done those same things and said those same words in a in a pickup game in practice. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just who hey, I am. CJ, I'll tell you something, man. Because right, that boy's talented. You, you, you superstar. You you you're a boy. You're a bad boy. You're a bad boy, man. You had him stumbling. You had him reaching. You had you 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 just. Man, I, I was I was I was just laughing so hard, man. I called Stephen A. I said, "Man, did you see my boy? Did you see him? Did you see him clowning tonight?" And he started laughing. He said, "Yeah, yeah. You said he a bad boy, Rashawn." I said, "I know. Hey, I ain't saying I know he a bad boy." And so, so what feedback did you get in social media from all that, CJ? I just thought it was funny, man. And, and personally, <laughs> I like y'all. Uh, no, 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 John, bad boy. I, I, I like uh, respectful, all yeah, that good stuff. True. He's he's real, but no, I mean it's it's. People just give you credit where credit is due. I think that's 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 what you have to do in this society. You, know, mm-hmm. you tip your hat, you know, when you lose, and you tip your hat when you win, and, and salute the next person. Understanding that um, in in life, things aren't going to always go your way. But you know, I had I had some some really good games, and I had some games where I wish I would have played better. But all in right. all, I was I was the best version of myself every night, and I can live with that. And I think the the rest of the world, social media, they've seen me play. They see me rise to the occasion in big moments. So some people probably were surprised, but people that know me and know the game, uh, they they know what I'm capable of. Oh no no no! It wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't surprised at what you did. It was a surprise of you know the you know the personality of shift. You know, <laughs> you know hitting your yeah. chest. You know hitting your chest. You know that that was the part I hadn't seen before. Now you've been clowning since you came in the league as a rookie. You've been stepping up that game. Every you know you and uh, uh, Damien are the two of the underserved, I think, underrecognized backcourt duos. In uh in, right. in the NBA in the last ten years, dude, y'all some bad boys. Now you went into the bubble, the pandemic was going on, and you came out of the bubble, the pandemic was going on. What was the bubble like? What was that life in that bubble for 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 just the lifestyle, just uh, being able to socialize, being able to get information? What was that all about? The testing. Can you walk us through those steps, CJ? Yeah, it was unique, honestly, unlike anything I've ever experienced before uh, due to circumstances, what we're going through, obviously, in the world and what we're still going through today mm-hmm. uh, from an injustice standpoint to, to blacks and minorities, to seeing the COVID, the situation with COVID, how many lives were, were taken away or affected and how we had to kind of take extra precaution. It was it was really a special, special time because I think the biggest thing we wanted to accomplish was to obviously continue to spread awareness to some of the things that are going on in America, have initiatives in place, have things that we can kind of touch on and bring light to while being able to play the game we love and give people an escape because there's a lot of stuff going on on a day-to-day basis to where it affects your psyche, your your mentality. And we wanted to give people an escape to be able to watch entertainment. And I think we were able to accomplish all those things, but the the day-to-day life was crazy, man. Like when you first land, for one, you started testing like two weeks before you get there, uh, like every other day. And then when you get and to you the guys bubble, had a, you guys had a fast test, a quick test, right? Yeah, I think it was rapid where rapid. the results would come the next day, I think, or five hours or the next day. Mm-hmm. So we did testing upon arrival and then you quarantine in your room for 48 hours. So you can't leave your room and they bring you food and drop it off at the door. So you go through that process. And then once you get, I think, two or three consecutive negative tests, you're able to leave your room, but you can't leave the hotel. So you're basically stuck there. There's three different hotel or hubs with six teams. And you do daily testing uh, based on time slots every day. You do the nasal test as well as the oral swab. 
mm-hmm. and you go through that process and it's just it's almost like a summer camp or like an AAU tournament right because there's just a bunch of teams a bunch of guys you compete against uh, but it was just it was just a really really unique situation to where it's it's unlike anything I've ever been through and it's something that I will remember uh, forever but I, I'm glad I was able to experience it. I think that we made the best of the situation. Obviously, there's there's four teams still left competing. And um, I think that one of the best parts about it was they eventually began to let people's family members in because it, it can get very lonely out there. Right. Um, just kind of being away from your kids, your significant other, all those things you're accustomed to, it, it can change you and, and kind of affect your mentality. Now, um, let's talk about uh, the opening day, you know, when you guys um – all um I want to say stood in solidarity or or, or I want I won't use the word po- protest but I want to recognize that black lives matter do matter what was what were your emotions and because I'm not there all I can do is realize that I was proud of the the unity I was proud and I know there was a you know when you when you do it when you when you're doing what you're doing you're not worried about your wine sales you're not worried about endorsements you're not worried about you you you're, you're committed to making a change and your voice being heard what was running through your mind personally when all that was going on and then I want to ask you about the the, the Milwaukee when they made that decision to walk out what was running through your mind then yeah, I mean, you hit the, the nail on the head. The biggest thing for me and, and most of the guys was this right and this wrong. And what we're seeing in America mm-hmm. and beyond right now is just not right. It's it's wrong and we have to stand for something. I think the, the fact that the NBA backed us, the, the, the league as a whole, our teams backed us and, and stood with us, understanding that there's just so many things that need to be corrected and changed. And we put that to the forefront. I think that was the goal and objective. So I felt proud to be a part of that and proud to see it. I think when the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to play, I think it sparked another conversation. Right. Um, I think they were the spearhead leaders in, in us kind of having to sit down and collect ourselves. And historically, when the NBA does something, the rest of the world follows. Uh, we were the first professional uh, sports league to shut down during COVID. And then the rest of the uh, world and, and sports teams began shutting down. We were the first uh, league to have players protest and not play in a game. And then shortly after that, MLB. Now, they would not be playing. Uh, every other sport basically followed in line. The Wimbledon tennis, all those players that were yeah. supposed to participate yeah. on the on the on the large stage, they decided okay. not to Osaka. play as well. I think Osaka, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly, and that sparked another conversation as to why so many things in America are happening to to black and brown people, and why these injustices are are just intolerable and not fair. And I think. I was just proud to be a part of it. I think the conversation that it, that it allowed to happen, the dialogue it created was positive and has pointed the right light on so many lives that have been affected in this, in this way. Well, you know, it was really interesting that, um, cause all I can do is, you know, you know, sometimes you get so far, all you can do is pray for change, pray that people will see the light. And then you see, you see a part of this country just don't care, man. Just really don't care. Just, right. They're just going to move forward sure. and act like this ain't even happening. And then, uh, and then paint a story like we the villains, like, 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 like our history means nothing and it won't tell our history. And when I see you, you, you're my, you're the generation of change to me when I look at you, CJ. And I, I'm really proud of your brother. And, um, and I, I say that because of the fact that that's a lot of pressure, man, for a young man like you to, to make a decision 
to do what you're doing. And there's a lot of you doing it, not just you, but a lot of you guys are making these decisions. And I'm going to tell you, when, when, when the Major League Baseball stepped away, I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned, CJ. When MLS, MLS, uh, 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 Major League Soccer stepped away. I was absolutely stunned because um, these are these are leagues are not predominantly African American leagues, and um, and I know you said uh, you know people tend to follow the lead of the NBA. W w were you caught off guard by the how quickly the other leagues, the other sporting leagues, reacted, or what were your thoughts? I was surprised at how quickly they all reacted, and and stood with us. Yes. Especially some of those other leagues that are majority uh, white. Yes. Predominantly white leagues. I was very surprised, but I was happy to see it. Uh, it, it it's the change we need to see. And I think a lot of times uh, when, when minorities are complaining about issues that are happening to minorities, people tend to not listen. But when the majority is, is speaking on behalf as well as with us, I think that's when the most change can occur. And I think that's what we're starting to see uh, throughout the world. Uh, the the oppressors are starting to speak on behalf of the rest of the world. And I think that's what you need in order to have change. You need people that are a part of the problem, but also not affected by the problem to speak up for us. You absolutely telling the truth. CJ, I want to thank you for coming on the show again, man. You know, I, I'm sorry I can't help you sell any more of your wine because, you know, you did such an amazing marketing job and you're such a badass basketball player on the NBA court, you know, and, and you leading us. But more importantly, just 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 Rashawn McDonald. I'm an older member of this of this of this change and talking to a younger man who has generations. You're going to affect generations. You are affecting generations, man. And uh, as an entrepreneur, as your, your, your nonprofit, as an athlete who who does more than just dribble the damn ball. Don't change, brother. Please don't change, CJ. Yes, sir, man. That's just one thing I can assure you is that I remember where I come from and what I come from. And the biggest thing you can do as a as a young black man in America is to figure out ways to affect the masses and help pull somebody up that comes from a situation just like you. Cool. Thank you. He's on the show to promote his wine. Heritage nine, heritage 91 wine collection is sold out y'all $50 a bottle. You got another set coming out next year. So be ready. 2021 September. I'll be ready because I'm getting to the front of the line. He's already told me he's going to take care of me and I'm going to buy the wine. CJ, we'll talk soon, brother. Tell your family hi, man. I love right. you, brother. I love you and don't you change. Bye. <laughs> I got you. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm.